0: We've been looking at Ephesians the last few weeks um, in fellowship. Uh, i not going to look at it specifically today, but you are going to look at one aspect of Ephesians chapter 3 that, like, that is kind of a side teaching, but related to Ephesians, and we'll go to Ephesians 3 to start. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, titled this, uh, Steward of the Mystery. And I thought we'd take a little look at what that means. Ephesians chapter 3, we read in verse 1, For this cause, and we looked in the last few fellowships for what cause he's speaking about, which is chapters 1 and 2, and all the habitation of God being built together and all that. Then he gets to chapter 3, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word, how that by revelation He made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, in few words. So here in verse two it talks about the dispensation, which is an odd, odd word, of the grace of God which is given me to you word. So here. He writes in Ephesians that God had given him a dispensation, which is a, um, uh, the word dispensation itself is a Greek word which means administration. I want to look at that word in Luke chapter 16, just so we understand a little bit about. I'm going to ask on the phone lines, guys, I think one of your phones is not on mute. Luke 16. In chapter 16, verse 2, it says, And he called him and said unto him, How is it that... Actually, let's go to verse 1. And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him, the steward, and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. And the steward said unto within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. The word stewardship is the same word dispensation. Very different translations. I cannot dig to beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. Now, this word stewardship, in the in the time, lands and times of the Bible, they would appoint a steward to take care of a household. He would be responsible, as you know, for groceries, for protection, for managing the Lord's affairs, and you know everything was left to him to do. And he was in charge of that household. And that's what the steward was. So when Paul wrote that God had given him a dispensation, or the stewardship of an entire period of time, it's a pretty serious matter. right? He says in Ephesians, God has given me the stewardship of the administration, the administration of the mystery, or the administration of God. Grace of God. So, I mean, if I was Paul, you know, like it'd be like, oh my goodness, God has entrusted to me an entire period of time, which is what an administration of God's Word is. There's nothing more complicated than that. Just a period of time during which the way God deals with man is a little different from the way he dealt with him in the previous period of time. Certainly, there's no Garden of Eden today, so. I think God's dealings are a little differently with men than they were in the Garden of Eden. So things change. So when Paul was here, God said, you're responsible for this time period known as the mystery or the administration of the grace of God. That's what he's talking about. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to read you um, the definition that a few men give of the word administration. E.W. Bullinger says it's the administration of a house, actively the administrative activity of the owner or the steward. Thayer, a famous man who had wrote a very important lexicon called Thayer's Lexicon, writes, The management of a household... Now, this is not anything you know earth-shattering, but just think about what it, what it means. Especially the management, oversight, administration of others' property, the office of a manager or overseer. Hence, the word is transferred to Paul in the sense of the office entrusted to him by God, the Lord and Master, of proclaiming to man the blessings of the gospel. That is what we're going to look at today, is what did it mean for Paul the Apostle to be the steward of the mystery? Was he you know, responsible for making regular bank deposits in the Jerusalem bank? Was he responsible for writing minute, annual meeting minutes? What was he response? What, what did it mean? Like, What it exactly does it mean? And 1 Corinthians 9 is very uh, clear. Let's let the Word of God speak for itself. 1 Corinthians 9. This is also a great topic to look at when you're starting a new year and, with, and some of the goals that you might have for the upcoming year. You know, hopefully when we do this thing at the end of every year, we try and involve God in what our plans are for the next year. Um, it's certainly the best way to, uh, to arrive at success in what you're going to be doing next year, and this might, you know, tweak some interest in your lives or my life. First Corinthians nine is a great chapter. Am I not free? Verse one. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. And the seal, and the seal for the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. My answer to them that examined me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister or wife as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas, or Peter? Or I only and Barnabas, have we not power to forbear working? Have, who goeth to warfare at any time at his own charges? You know, when you fight a battle, you don't fight against yourself. The argument that he's making here is that because he was a minister of the gospel, he had every right to charge for that activity. In other words, he was allowed to make his living on preaching the gospel. And let's keep reading. It's very interesting. Who plants a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit? If you plant a vineyard, you're going to eat the grapes, or better. You don't get it. Or who feeds a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Or raises a pig and kills it? No, never mind. Um, And eats it say these things the man or does not the law say the same thing also yeah certainly in the law verse 9 it says for it is written in the law of Moses thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn so in those days they wouldn't put a muzzle on the ox it was allowed to go ahead and freely eat the corn that it was you know plowing through in other words another way of putting it is labor is worthy of his reward right that's what it also says in the word of God so he's saying here look I'm preaching the gospel this Paul the apostle I'm allowed to make my living doing that um, uh, where are we verse 10 no. yeah or saith he had altogether or verse 9 does he God take care of oxen did he write that to bless the cows no or saith he had altogether for our sakes for our sakes no doubt this is written that he that plows should plow in hope and he that thresheth, thresheth tough word in hope should be partaker of his hope so you get the wheat back you get the goods back if we have sown unto you spiritual thing in other words he said if I've taught you the word is it a great thing if I shall reap your carnal thing in other words if I've taught you the word Paul says is, is it okay if you guys occasionally give him some clothes or food that's sort of what he's saying it's a really great chat if for others be partakers of this power over you are not we rather nevertheless and this is, I love this he says, yeah, I could do all that. Nevertheless, we have not used this power. He says, yes, the Word of God says I can do this. God has set it up this way. But he said, we have not done that. Why didn't he do that? Right. It says it right there. But suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. That was his main aim was that the gospel of Jesus Christ could be made known and he would not do anything to hinder the gospel of Jesus Christ being made known. That was his heart's desire. Um, verse 13. Do, we, do you not know that they which minister about holy things live off the things of the temple? Didn't in the Old Testament? Yeah. Didn't the Levites get the meat that they gave for the tithe? although they messed that up quite a few times too, right? But they were allowed to do that because they didn't have their own lands, they didn't have their own, own you know, property. They were allowed to eat. And he says, those guys were working for the Lord and they were allowed to eat. That's what he's saying. It's true. Um, and they which wait at the altar are partakers of the altar. They get some of the food. Verse 14, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live off the gospel. Again, he makes the same point. Verse 13, 15, he makes the other same point too. But I have not used... I have used none of these things. Neither have I written... And he's also saying, look, I'm not writing this because I now want you guys to take care of me financially. right said, I have not done that. And he said, I'm not writing this because I want you to do that from now on. It were better that it should be done unto me, for it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glorying void. He said, I'd rather die than do something like that. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. You see, you're going to see that being a steward of the mystery, or a steward of the grace of God, very simply, a great part of it is, is making known the gospel of Jesus Christ. Without, if you don't do that, you know, he would have stewarded, and we'll see that, and he says it himself, but that was one of his main activities in his life. To steward the mystery was to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why you see in Everything he, he wrote by revelation, everything, he did everything he could to make the gospel, gospel of Jesus Christ known, whether it meant that he had anything or didn't have anything. It didn't matter. That was his goal. Um, verse 17. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. It's very interesting. He says, if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. We're going to read a little later in the chapter exactly what the reward is. But he said, If I do it willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will... A dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. He says it again. That's the exact same word we just read in Luke and over in Ephesians. He says, look, if I don't do this thing willingly, I have still been given the responsibility to do it. I want to read you uh, the working translation from that verse. It says, so if I do this voluntarily, then I have a compensation. But if involuntarily, then I still have been entrusted with the administration of of the gospel, right. see we read, we learned last fellowship um, when Julie was teaching about every member of the body has been placed in the body of Christ as it had pleased God. Right. God has placed each of you, each and each of one of us, in the body of Christ as it had pleased Him. Right. Here Paul writes, "Look, I've been given a responsibility. If I do it willingly." I get a reward. If I don't do it willingly, I've still got the responsibility. You understand? If you don't do what you're supposed to do in the body of Christ, you still have the responsibility. If you don't do it, you don't get the reward. But you still have the responsibility. There's no one in the body of Christ who can say, well, I'm placed here, but God didn't really give me anything to do. You know? No, that's not true. That's not what the word of God says. You still have a responsibility. And here Paul writes, Look, <laughs> doesn't matter. I've been given the responsibility. When you are become a member of the body of Christ, God places you where He wants you. Now it's up to you to do what you're called to do. It's very simple. And it's up to you. And that's why I say, you know, when you make plans for the year, you might want to think about that a little bit. I might want to think about it a little bit. You know, I got plans, so what I want to do. Well, you know what? Maybe I want to think about those plans in light of what God has called me to do in the body of Christ. Maybe that might might want to, you know, factor into my thinking about life. As as you remember, we also learned at the last fellowship the things we do in this life have some impact in all of our eternity, not just for the time here, but all of eternity. Um, let's keep reading here. I love this. Um, so what is so then he even asked the question, so he says, the dispensation I got the I have the responsibility verse eighteen, what is my reward then he asked the question, so what is this compensation that I'm going to get? Verily that when I preach the gospel i may, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge that I abuse not my power in the gospel. He goes, look, I have the authority to charge for this, but i'm not going I'm not going to use that authority to charge for it, so what's the reward what what is he getting out of it verse nineteen for though I do for I be free from all men, yet I have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. So he doesn't answer the question yet. Well, it, it gets answered at the end of the chapter, but now he talks about how he lives his life in light of preaching the gospel. And this is an amazing record here. He says, um, nineteen. He says, I'm free from all men, but I made myself a servant. Why? That I might gain the more and unto the Jews I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law as under the law that I might gain them that are under the law you see in this thing he says here he does whatever is necessary to reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ and if you want to read down to um, later on he says he'll do anything necessary except anything that would put him outside the will of God he would never do that but he would do what's necessary. Remember when Paul came to uh, Jerusalem? When James came to him and said, Oh, look at all these wonderful J- Judean believers who have become Christians, but they're very zealous for the law. What, is, remember, what does James ask them to do? Remember James, he asked him to purify himself with them and do this the thing with the law? And I used to read that when I first read that. I was like, wow, why would you do that, Paul? You've been teaching about that the, the, the law is over and there are no more works why would you do that why would you follow the law why, why do you think he follows this is right there he did whatever he could because he was the one who thought I can reach these people I can reach I know there's a lot of problem in Jerusalem but I can reach them with the gospel so he put himself under the law just so he could reach them that's why he did it on to the uh, verse 21 to them that are without law as without the law what did that mean maybe he had a beer with the Gentiles you know, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Whatever it means, I don't know what it means. But but the Gentiles were a little different than the, the Jewish people. So when he was with them, he would do whatever. Never outside the law of Christ, but he would do anything. And what does that mean to you and me today? Right? Oh, I got to drive five minutes to pick up so and so and bring him to fellowship. What a pain! Oh, so horrible. He did whatever at the loss of his personal property, finances. Didn't matter to him. In related rights, you know, I can, I, I know how to ban, I know how to suffer need. Didn't matter to him. His goal: preach the gospel, take as many people with him as possible to eternity. That was his goal, and for, for that goal, he would do anything, right? So you feel stupid by speaking the word in a mall. Who cares? What difference does it make, right? Preach the gospel. Get the gospel to as many people as possible. That's what Paul did. That was being a steward. Of the mystery, get the gospel to people. Tell them about Jesus Christ. Yeah, but I feel out of place. People laugh at me. Who cares? Right? Let them laugh for seventy, eighty, hundred years. They're not going to be laughing for ten thousand years, are they? Right? You're going to be there. Right? And those people that you brought kicking and screaming with you, not necessarily, you know, will be with you. Um. To them who are without love. Uh, here to them that are without law verse 21 as without law being not without law to God see he would never do that but under the law of Christ that I might gain them that are without the law to the weak became I as weak that I might gain the weak I am made all things to all that I might by all means save some I will do anything he writes that I can reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ that was being a steward of the mystery And this I do, verse 23, for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Now he answers his question about what is my reward then. Know ye not that they which run in a race, all run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run, now he's telling them to do the same thing that he was doing. Being a steward of the mystery doesn't mean that Paul just stewarded the mystery and then he's dead and then that's the end of it. We'll see that. So now he says to them, run that you may obtain. And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we, an incorruptible. That's the reward. He goes, yeah, I can. He said, I can deal with not getting paid in this life for what I'm allowed to get paid for, by the way. Nor am I writing this. He said that I want you to do this to me. He said, I just want to make the gospel known because if I do it voluntarily, I'm going to get a blessing and a reward. And here he says, it's the incorruptible crown. And he just told them, you can run and obtain. Every single believer, every single believer, can run and run the same, preach the same gospel that Paul the apostle preached. And he says here that the same reward is available to everyone. Let's we'll finish that chapter off there. Verse 20, 26. I therefore run so not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body, and bring it into subjection. In other words, he would not let himself go out of bounds, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. He would do whatever was necessary to bring the gospel to people. Um, let's go to Ephesians Actually, let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. So just the same way that that steward would take care of you know buying the groceries for his master, that he would take care of you know, hiring the servants that were required to maintain the, that, that was his responsibility. Paul's responsibility? Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he did. And that's what he exhorted others to do. Colossians 1.23 If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature. You see that? Every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God. There it is again, you see, there's that time period, that that stewardship that was committed unto him. And what's the context? What's he talking about? Preaching the gospel. Um, the dispensation of the administration stewardship of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God even the mystery. That's what the administration that was given to him which hath been hid from ages and from generations but now is made known, made manifest to the saints. It was no longer to be hidden. Made manifest to the saints to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man. You think God's trying to make a point? Every man, every man, every man. Just like 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Whatever they could do to make the gospel of Jesus Christ known to everyone. Didn't matter. You know, if it put him out a little bit, made him do some uh, out of his comfort zone because he had to be like the Gentiles or he had to be like somebody else. That's what he did. Because the point was to get the gospel to them. And in verse 29, we on unto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. I see he worked hard to do that, to become, to be a good steward of what God had given him to steward uh, in uh, Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, yeah, verse 12. But I would you should understand that, my pages are all bent here, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all other places. So he's in jail, he's in prison right here. And he says that what happened to him has still caused the gospel to move. And that's, remember, that was his concern. You reread the epistles of Paul the Apostle, you'll see that right throughout the epistles. Right from Romans, where it talks, but I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember that? Right from that point till the end of his life. That's the life he lived. Uh, here he says, And many of the brethren, verse 14, in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention and not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Some of them were trying to go against what Paul was doing, try to get him in more trouble by preaching. But the other, verse 17, of love knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. I love this. This is verse 18. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, so they were trying to hurt me or they're trying to love me, Christ has preached. And I therein do rejoice and yea, will rejoice. Would 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 you, you know, if you actually knew that somebody was doing something to hurt you personally, would you rejoice in what they were doing? That's what Paul said. Now he said, "I rejoice in what they're doing. I know they're trying to hurt me, but guess what's being made known—the gospel of Jesus Christ." And he goes, "I rejoice in that." That's a pretty tall order, isn't it? You'd rather want to say, "God, wipe these people off the face of the earth," like David's prayer, some of David's prayers, right? You know? No, he said, "Christ is being preached. I'm, I'm thankful for that." How about you and me, right? How, how, like, how, what does this make? you or me want to do? How does it make you and me want to live our lives in light of knowing that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation? Yeah? Isn't that what it says in Corinthians? God has entrusted us also with the gospel. Look at uh, First Thessalonians 2, please. First Thessalonians. Just a few more verses here. Again, we could read a lot here about what he wanted to do. Verse 1, Thessalonians first, first 2, 1, for your for our, yourselves, brethren, know that our entrance in unto you, this is Paul and company now, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto the gospel of God with much contention. <laughs> there were a lot of people trying to stop them from telling, preaching the gospel, but they were bold to speak. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor of guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. And that's it. You know, you don't, we, we don't preach the gospel so somebody else can say, well, isn't that guy or isn't she really cool, man? They're really winning lots of people to the Lord. Isn't that great? And you, know, you laud people for... That's not what they were doing it for. They were doing it because we live in front of who? Right? God. We preach the gospel because God wants us to, right? The Lord wants us to preach the gospel. You know, uh, that's what He's saying here. Not pleasing men. I, t- I guarantee you, we all know that for the most part, preaching the gospel doesn't please a lot of men, right? But God, which tryeth our hearts, for neither at any time use be flattering words or a cloak of covetousness, um, nor of men shall we glory. In verse six neither of you nor yet of others when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ same truth that Paul wrote they could have been burdened they could have you know they could have asked them to take care of them but they didn't so being affectionately desirous of you we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only but also our own souls (laughs) you think they worked hard you think this is a little bit more than I gotta you know I I gotta go to fellowship for an hour tonight you know I like like, that's a real hindrance to my life, you know. It cuts my, uh, you know. You know, sometimes the things that we think are a burden to us, when you look at in light of God's Word and what God has called me, I mean, like, this is not just some little story here. We are going to be together for eternity. That's what the Word of God says. And God's exhortation to me and you is to make known the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. And, and and if you look at Paul the Apostle and these men, they did anything they possibly could. They were thrown in jail, they were whipped, they were beaten. You know, and oh, you mean I gotta drive five minutes out of my way? You know, just look at it. Look at your life. Look how important your life is in God's eyes and where God has placed you with the responsibility. What are you, what am I going to do with that responsibility? And that's a day-by-day day decision. What am I going to do today? Am I going to speak to that person in line at the, at the store? Am I going to speak to my coworker? Am I finally going to tell them that I'm a Christian? Am I going to do it? Am I going to speak up to my parents? My parents, they're here. Hi, Mom. You know, my relatives. You know, my fr- am I going to do it? Am I going to have the boldness and courage to be able to present the gospel of Jesus Christ? Am I going to do that? Only you can answer that. All right, um, okay, we'll, go, we'll, we'll close in 2 Timothy chapter 4 there's more to read here but you guys can read the rest of chapter 2 and 8 and 3 2 Timothy chapter 4 we'll close there this is near the end of Paul's life uh, when he knows he's going to fall asleep and he's done his job so to speak and then he writes to Timothy in Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Again, always pointing him to what's going to come. <laughs> Timothy, look ahead. What you're doing here, I know that there's a lot of problems, and Timothy had a lot of instructions too. He goes, you just look ahead, Timothy, at, at his appearing. Preach the word. There he goes, verse two. And he's about to leave here, so he's telling his young, you know, uh, b- young believer, protégé. young what's yeah, protege, <laughs> his son. He even calls him his son in the faith, true faith, true child of the faith. He tells Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> See, all the time, preach the word. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke. You know, these are great words. You can look at each one of these words and, and recognize what they mean, but you know, just, just to paraphrase it a little bit, reprove, rebuke, exhort you fight for the word of God in everybody's lives. You don't you don't let a believer go down because you know they're they're knowingly not following God's word because you might think it might offend them if you say something? They might not like me anymore. Who gives a darn, right? The figure of speech, euphemism. You know, if you, you like uh, I, if I, if, you, if you knew I was off on God's word somewhere boy you darn well better tell me like, like why, would I, why would you not want to know reprove, rebuke, exhort you fight for the word of God in everybody, each other's lives because you know it's that important the gospel of Jesus Christ in the life of every believer is so important you fight for it that's why he's telling Timothy Timothy you reprove, you rebu- rebuke, you exhort with all long suffering uh, and doctrine for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves, having teachers having itching ears, they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. Well, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am ready, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is hand. I have fought a good fight. What was that fight? To make known the gospel of Jesus Christ and if you read his life, was it a fight? Oh my goodness. Not just, you know, you read the Corinthians, not just among the unbelievers, among brethren even. Right. It was a fight. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith or the right way of believing. I've kept that. And look, look what he's looking at. Next verse. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Just sounds just like 1 Corinthians 9, doesn't it? It almost follows the exact same pattern. Whatever he could to make known. And he's telling Timothy, now Timothy, you do whatever it takes to make known the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever it takes, whatever, you might think, well, I don't know very much. Just make known what you know. Just teach what you know. Make it known. And then learn more a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all them also that love his appearing the same thing he said in Corinthians you run right? he told Pete, you run now that you may obtain here he says all those that love his appearing not to him only but all those and again the context was what preach the gospel make known the gospel preach the gospel of Jesus Christ do the work of an evangelist endure afflictions don't worry. Just do what God has called you to do in the body of Christ, you know, um, and recognize that what you're doing here in this short life—and it is short compared to eternity as ramification. And you see that in the context. Every single time, He's pointing them to look up ahead, what is coming. Whatever it takes to make known the gospel of Jesus Christ is a huge part of being a steward. Of the mystery, the steward of the administration of the grace of God. So it's uh, a little bit on that. God bless. God bless.